Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown, and I'm joined by our fearless leader, the uh, managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? No, Chip, we uh, wrapped up the first signing period since Steve Sarkeesian was hired at Texas. So it's been a long day. Uh, We are recording later than usual because we didn't want to release the flagship you know, the morning of signing day without even talking about signing day. So uh, I apologize if I look really tired right now. But other than that, I'm doing well. How about you? Listen, great job today. Great job by the Horns 24-7 team. And hopefully everyone who's not a member uh, is now a member and took advantage of the the 60% off annual membership uh, to Horns 24-7. I mean, I'm not going to brag. But I'm going to brag because we've been we've been breaking news left and right. We'll get into some of it um, of our depth chart series. Um, you know, we reported that the coaches were getting into the practice tape and sizing up the talent on the roster. We told you all about it on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday this week. And and then, you know, Steve Sarkeesian admits in his press conference. Yep, we've been digging into the practice tape, sizing up, you know, the the different. Uh, position. So uh, get over to Horns 24-7. I mean, Mike Roach and and uh, Nick Harris on recruiting, you know, Jeff Howe covering basketball, baseball, you name it. Taylor does it all, breaks news, runs the site. And then I try to, you know, pitch in here and there. But um, man, we're, we're excited. It's an exciting time. Oh, it totally is. I mean, we've... Uh... You know, it's been a fun time over at Horns 24-7. And, you know, it's always it's easier for us to do our job when there's things going on, number one. And then when there's even just some type of excitement kind of getting back into the fan base. I mean, you know, I feel like we, Chip, are always very unbiased. But it's hard, you know, when you have a, a message board community and you know fans are angry about the direction of the program. I mean, you, you feel it too, a little bit, you know, so, sure. um, you know, the future people, Texas fans feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, maybe. So yeah, I, I think that we have a good, uh, camaraderie here going over on horns 24 seven, both, uh, with our members and, uh, with our staff. Well, that's a perfect segue into signing day because signing day is always, uh, everybody is excited, right? You're getting a whole bunch of new players you're going to cheer for. And you probably already have some favorites in every class, especially our, 
recruit Knicks, the, the fans who really follow recruiting um, have their favorites. And, and, and so today's the day uh, Steve Sarkeesian talked about uh, a newcomer class of, of 23. And that does not even include a Notre Dame outside linebacker, defensive end, Ovi Agofu, who will graduate in the spring and then come to Texas after spring football and be here for the summer. Texas still can't talk about him, but Steve Sarkeesian added uh, David Abiara, uh, defensive end, he said, thinks can bulk up to 260, 270. And he did mention Ray Thornton, the linebacker, graduate transfer uh, from LSU uh, via Colleen Shoemaker and mentioned him as more of an outside linebacker than as an inside linebacker, even though Sarkeesian later said that they're thin at inside linebacker. So um, we'll see how that plays out. But he mentioned um, Ishmael Ibrahim by name, Taylor, the 6'1 corner who got into some trouble and it was questionable as to whether uh, he would be admitted into Texas. He is obviously being admitted into Texas, the talented uh, corner from, from Dallas Kimball. And look, you watch that kid's film and he's what you want long. I mean, six, one and change at corner physical and, and then we've talked a lot about the kids who signed in December. There's a lot to like there too. I like, you know, Morris Blackwell. I like JD Coffee, the safety. Obviously, Jatavian Sanders, the five star who wants to play on both sides of the ball. And Steve Sarkeesian said, Yep, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try it out. And he he said, I will have gone through spring football at that point. I'll have a better idea of where his best opportunity to get on the field will be. And so, you know, it's early. These guys haven't even sniffed a, a set of pads yet, but you know, all the fans are excited. And, and as you mentioned, having the new coaching staff and really Sarkeesian and his coaching staff, um, I'm more excited about the staff, honestly. I mean, I, I no offense to Steve Sarkeesian. I think he's great and he's a, really talented play caller, but man, you got to have, you got to have studs around you who can fill in the gaps. And he looks like he has found a staff that not only can, you know, coach guys up, evaluate, develop talent, but go recruit it. And that's, you got to have players, Taylor. I mean, you were, you were a student at Texas when they were contending for national championships. You remember you got to have, you got to have dogs. You got to have players. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it, Chip. And, you know, I think that is I thought it was interesting. Steve Sarkeesian mentioned that one of the positives that they've heard early on just from, you know, being on campus and being um, on the recruiting trail and everything, it, well, not really on the trail virtually, but uh, is they've gotten a lot of positive feedback about how 
you know, they're very open and honest and uh, trying to build relationships as best they can. But then the negative side of that, you know, they have yet to be able to go have face-to-face contact with a lot of the kids in the 20, I mean, even 2021 class too, but 2022, 2023, because of COVID restrictions and the recruiting blackouts. So, you know, I think that um, there's definitely some work to be done there, but I agree with you. I think, you know, if, if you uh, missed our Monday episode of the flagship, flagship podcast, we had on um, national college football analyst and reporter Bruce Feldman, who, um, you know, has known Sarkeesian. He's a West Coast type of guy. You need to listen to what he had to say about not just Steve Sarkeesian, but the staff that he built, because I thought that what Bruce Feldman said about it was so impressive. Yeah, I mean, I was I was blown away. He had like a four minute answer and I just was like, could not stop listening to it because he's a guy that has seen a lot of these coaches and, and, you know, you and I haven't seen a ton of the coaches, uh, the assistant coaches, but obviously they have a a really positive reputation. So um, definitely check that out. But, you know, I think that Texas fans probably are pretty excited about the coaching staff too. You know, I feel like that's probably the overall kind of opinion, even more so than the signing class this year, since it was kind of the transition class and, you know, with, coaching changes, you always are going to have, you know, ups and downs and recruiting to try to piece together the last bits of the uh, signing class. So, you know, I bet I think that there's no doubt that Texas fans should be excited about the staff that Sarkeesian's built and, you know, hope that they can keep it together and not get pushed away, you know, um, on an annual basis, because I think these guys are the type of coaches that are good enough to where other programs are going to continue to try to get them to. Yeah, bold prediction right here. Jeff Banks is the first assistant coach from this staff to become a head coach. Um, Taylor, let's let's get into the quarterback position because everybody wants to know about the quarterback position. And and I asked Steve Sarkeesian today about, okay, you do you feel like you know what you have at quarterback? Are you going to be in the portal looking to bring in a grad transfer? And he said, I feel pretty good about the quarterback position. And he's certainly not looking to bring in a transfer before the spring. Right. And and he feels good about Casey Thompson, his maturity, and obviously what he did in the Alamo Bowl. He said Hudson Card is a really talented player. He said you can see it even from the practice tape that we've dug into. And then, of course, you have early enrollee freshman Charles Wright on campus. And those will be the three scholarship quarterbacks who go through the spring. And, and he said when he was a head coach before at Washington and USC, you could have four and five quarterbacks on the roster and, and they might stick around. He said in today's world with the transfer portal, the, the one-time transfer rule coming, he said, these guys just won't stick around. So you need to really hone in on two or three quarterbacks and develop them like crazy and and then get them to a point where you're comfortable and hope that they stick around and so we'll see how this plays out but right now uh sure sounds like Steve Sarkeesian's planning to go through the spring with Casey Thompson Hudson Card and and Charles Wright and if you were reading our our depth chart series you know Casey Thompson is is penciled in at the top of the depth chart right now, uh, which is natural because he right. just threw for a Texas bowl record for touchdowns in one half uh, in a 
and breaking open a one possession game and going eight of 10, throwing for four touchdowns on five straight scoring drives. So uh, that probably was music to Sarkeesian's, you know, as he's considering the Texas job, right? Mm-hmm. He's watching that game, knowing Ellinger is probably leaving and then sees that and is like, okay, all right, okay. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be excited about that? Eight of 10 passing, four touchdowns, five scoring drives. And I mean, I can work with that. Yeah, for sure. And Chip, as you reported in um, your depth chart series on Tuesday, the the actual list goes according to you know Chip's sources. It's Casey Thompson, obviously, quarterback one, Hudson Card, and then walk-on Ben Ballard is third, and then early and early freshman Charles Wright is fourth on the list. So yeah, I think uh, it's fair to say that they're going to be a staff that makes you earn the position because they, you know, Charles Wright earned a scholarship, but, and Ben Ballard hasn't yet, but he's listed ahead of, you know, uh, Charles Wright. And I think that in itself should be music to Texas fans ears, you know, because it's, um, you know, when you're going after some top talent in recruiting, you always have to kind of be aware of possible, like the ego that could come with it, especially if these guys are some of the best players in the state, you know, or um, nationally ranked players. And so I think that this is, this is a kind of different mentality a little bit. Um, I would say from an early standpoint, obviously we're, you know, we can say whatever we want. They yet to even coach a practice, let alone a game or anything. But I do kind of feel like, you know, it seems as if they're going to be one of the type of people that make you earn your right to see the playing field. And I think that comes from Saban, you know, I think that's where it stems from. And that's where, you know, having Sarkeesian, I know some fans were, um, kind of concerned about his inexperience. They look at the overall record, even though that doesn't really tell, you know, anything since he turned an 0-11 Washington program into, you know, multiple bowl games uh, appearances. However, you know, I think that um, you're starting to kind of see that Sarkeesian, I think, may have taken a lot of uh, what he learned under Saban for the last several years at Alabama. And then they're kind of implementing that here at Texas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and a quick note on Charles Wright. Um, Todd Dodge, the Austin Westlake coach, state champion, mind you. Mm-hmm. They're stacking him up over there at Westlake, Taylor. He's got Clay Cade Klubnick now. Yeah. Guy. He's he he lit up Quinn Ewers in that state championship game. But um, Charles Wright worked with Todd Dodge personally right up until he went to Austin High. And of course, became a district opponent of Westlake. And I was talking to Todd Dodge the other day and he said, listen, that kid will grind like he'll he said he may be the perfect quarterback for Texas right now because he, he loves Texas, but he will grind. And he said, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an opportunity down the road and lights it up. Um you know, kind of like Casey Thompson did in the Alamo bowl. He just feels like Charles Wright is one of those guys like Colt McCoy in a way, you know, just forgotten guy, three star meh. Mm -hmm. already his teammates are like, Whoa, this kid's got some zip on the ball and really good fundamentals, good mechanics. So could be a really good program guy who just sticks with it is always ready. You don't have to worry about him going in the portal and, I'm leaving. So yeah. we'll see. But um, 
Uh, yeah. So one other nugget, because we let off the depth chart series with the receivers in part because Troy O'Meary is penciled in as the starter at X. And the only film on Troy O'Meary is from fall camp last year. But I'm told Andre Coleman dusted that stuff off and showed it to uh, to Sarkeesian and the rest of the staff. And they were like, oh, yeah. OK, yeah, yeah. Troy O'Meary. I mean, that's what we reported all, you know, prior to his ACL injury, like our, you know, Horns 24-7 continued to report that Troy O'Meary was like beyond impressive. I mean, and this was not just like a, oh, a freshman getting the hype. It was like, no, he is way outperforming Brennan Eagles, who's a third year player on Texas team. So black, both of whom just left here for the NFL, left eligibility on the table to go to the NFL. So, yeah, O'Meary was outperforming those guys and has earned the benefit of the doubt, at least going into the spring and Taylor, uh, Steve Sarkeesian did mention spring football as we've reported all along was going to be pushed late. And after UT spring break, Sarkeesian confirmed that today saying it will start March 23rd and um, UT spring break is the 15th through the 20th. And then uh, that will push the spring game to late April. He mentioned April 24th as a possible date. So uh, make your, make your plans now or put a reminder in your phone that that spring football will begin on March 23rd and go for a month. And then the spring game that were ludicrous performed last year, two years ago, there was no spring game. Yeah. There was no spring. Yeah. But ludicrous definitely did. I've already blacked out 2020. I know. I'm just hoping that we can cover a spring game at this yeah. rate. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Get some well, FaceTime with coaches, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of leads us. Any other thoughts on football before we get to COVID and basketball and where uh, Shaka's team is? You know, I, one thing I, I thought – um, that was kind of interesting that Sarkeesian mentioned. I think everybody's kind of real or thought that the linebacker position was one that was going to be kind of a, a position of need where Texas may need to, you know, whether it's add guys from the portal or whatever. And they did do that in Ray um, Thornton, but he had mentioned inside linebacker, as you mentioned, and then talked about Thornton as an outside linebacker a little bit and him being able to be, you know, uh, rush the passer and everything from the edge. The other position he mentioned was cornerback. And while, um, you know, I know we, we talked in depth about Jalen Green and his transfer. And last week, Chip reported in the Insider that, you know, the Texas staff did everything they possibly could to try to get Jalen Green to give them a chance to, you know, stick around and see what they have to offer. But um, as you reported, Chip, it was his relate. They felt the the relationship he had with former Texas cornerbacks coach Jason Washington, who's now at Mississippi State, was just too solid that they couldn't really make any moves there. Um, were you surprised? Because I mean, Texas does have some solid, you know, cornerbacks. But were you surprised that that was the you know the one B of his concerns on defense? Well, I think because they're older. You know, Josh Thompson's a senior. Deshaun Jameson can go to the NFL after this year. And then you got Keaton Crawford and Jade Barron, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, really. And so. Well, Josh Thompson technically would be a redshirt junior, right? Yeah, but. How does that work with. Do you think he wants to stay for. I don't like, think. If he has a year. 
Yeah, if he has the kind of year that he expects, he'll yeah, he'll be gone. He'll be moving on. And I think Deshaun Jameson's thinking the same way. So I think, you know, as the head coach, you're always looking at, okay, when could these guys leave? Like in basketball, you always have to plan for them to leave at the first available opportunity and just make sure you have your scholarship numbers behind it. And so I think, you know, bringing in Ishmael Ibrahim and, um, and Jameer Johnson, these guys need to hit yeah. Uh, because I do feel I, well, you know, they feel good about Jaday Barron and Keaton Crawford just based off the, the film that they've seen and, and Josh Thompson and Deshaun Jameson, as long as they stay healthy, you're, you're okay. But heck two years ago, they were hurt all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Thompson missed a couple of games. Jalen green missed a couple of games. Jameson had a red shirt season too in 2019, you know? Right. So you just, you want to see the depth there. And I think that's what he was talking about to it inside linebacker. Heck, I heard the other day in a workout, uh, Juwan Mitchell was the one hooping and hollering the most and leading the guys and people hear that and they're like, wait, Juwan Mitchell, wasn't he in the portal? (laughs) Um, But you know, they like what they have at linebacker, certainly with DeMarvin Overshawn and Juwan Mitchell. And, and then you got to see Jalen Ford and David Benda keep coming, but it's the depth that is the concern. If something happens to Juwan Mitchell, okay, Jalen Ford, you ready? You ready for your close up? And, and it sounds like Ray Thornton who played inside linebacker at LSU, he's six, three, two twenty five, can certainly play that position I think, though, like everyone who's going to, you know, everyone wants to know who's going to replace Joseph Osai in that who's your marquee guy, who's your pass rusher that the offense has to game plan for, because you had a game plan for Joseph Osai, but there isn't a guy right now. I mean, Alfred Collins could develop into that kind of guy from the three technique position, but you need monsters rushing the passer. And I think maybe they've got them, you know, maybe it's Mauro Jomo, maybe it's Marquez Bimich coming back, right. hopefully a lighter, leaner, meaner. He got up to 272 trying to play in that four eye and, and then was a opt out because of COVID in 20. If he gets back down to around 255, that kid, we know he's one of the most explosive guys on the team. We heard about all the, the squats and the, you know, the explosive, uh, you know, broad jump, all that stuff. This guy, this guy could have, he could be a real story if he can come back and, and have an impact. So we saw him make some plays when he finally got to play the defensive end position at the tail end of the 19 season. So who knows? That's a X factor that you got to keep an eye on, but. Mm-hmm. Well, and another one, if Marcus Tillman Jr., you know, if he is um, able to get back into shape, I think that, um, you know, he could be somebody to keep an eye on, too. So it sounds like, you know, they don't feel as concerned about outside linebacker. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny, though, Chip, I was asking you about the corner thing, because remember last week we had a love it or leave it topic, and it was about how substantial the loss was of Jalen Green. We both said 
substantial, you know, from like a depth standpoint, plus just from a talent standpoint. So it sounds like the coaching staff kind of feels the same way, but yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I think that Texas is in a situation because of the, you know, opt outs, um, on defense, especially last season before the season even started. And then some guys, you know, that Marcus Tillman Jr., who was a true freshman in 2019 and then injured himself, got a red shirt ear there. I mean, we've seen him in what, two or three games, I think right. he went out against LSU, right? And yeah. the, the pandemic really screwed up his rehab. Right. Because he, um, you know, they were trying to conduct his rehab virtually. That's scary. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and he came back to campus overweight. And I've, I'll check on how he's doing now. I, I hear he's doing a lot better. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who's kind of got a fresh new outlook. So that's a great name to bring up because he was a guy who was hitting people and the coaching staff felt good about before that injury. So, um, yeah, there's there's some good storylines we'll be following heading into uh, heading into spring practice. And we should also mention Daniel Young is on that depth chart at running back. He's back after opting out. Great team guy Uh, has got some got some game experience. He's played in 36 games for crying out loud. So with five starts and he's a banger. So let's see. That's not really what Steve Sarkeesian uses. He uses guys who can catch the football, who are super versatile. Right. But, um, you know, maybe maybe Daniel Young's been on the jugs machine working on his hands because he did catch a he did catch a 42 yard pass once um, in the Texas Bowl, I think. So, hey, Daniel Young, welcome back <laughs> campus. Yeah. So, Taylor. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly have tons more, uh, football to talk about on the flagship podcast, but we got to get to the Texas basketball team because Shaka smart was not happy. He came back from his isolation after testing positive for COVID-19 and he, you could tell he was really upset that a, they had to play Oklahoma while he was out. They only had eight players, but the big 12 has a rule that if you have six healthy players, you're, you're taking the floor. Mm-hmm. And I'm told all the coaches voted for this. I don't know. Maybe it was the athletic directors and <laughs> not the coaches, but I mean, I think obviously you'd like to think that the basketball coaches signed off on this anyway. But what he didn't like was the inconsistency because they're getting ready to go play Kentucky and it's a Kentucky team that's five and 10, a a team Texas should probably beat. And then at the last second, Kentucky's like, oh, we had a positive test. We're shutting down for 48 hours. And that that just drives Shaka crazy. He's like, you had one positive test. We had half our team out. Right. So the team, Texas finally gets back after 19 days for the first time in 19 days, the whole team was back together again uh, because of all the COVID stuff. I mean, heck, they didn't let any fans into the Irwin center in the month of January. Now they are, but that leads us to this Baylor game that, that happened on Tuesday night and Baylor's number two in the country. They're undefeated them and Gonzaga one and two and, and Baylor, man, did they look good? I mean, they, 
they just took it to Texas and they took it to him in a way that I like, they were like Mark Vital drove on Kai Jones and took him to the rim and scored. I'm like, Kai Jones is like a really good rim per- protector, but he, he didn't have it. Greg Brown didn't have it. Greg Brown had a great baseline dunk right as Texas was getting back into the game early in the second half. And then he stares down, um, you know, the Baylor player he dunked on got a technical foul for taunting and Baylor ends up outscoring Texas on the sequence four to two. Cause they got the two technical foul free throws in the ball and they hit the shot mm-hmm. and Texas never, never really threatened again. And, and so look it, my point is this, you've got the team finally back together. This is clearly a different team from the one that went to Kansas and won by 25 and, matched the biggest margin of victory over a Kansas team in Fog Allen Fieldhouse and in that program's history. The COVID thing has caused them to all have to regroup adversity. We're not practicing. We're not together. And now we've just lost three of four mm-hmm. in all at home. Right. You know, I mean, Texas Tech and OU and Baylor, these losses were all at home and it sucks because yeah, COVID yeah. doesn't care. And, and now Texas, this is what I've been talking about that. Look, you lose a couple at the wrong time. Your confidence is shaken. You can start to doubt everything. And all of a sudden you're middle of the pack, right? Now Texas has three conference losses. They were rolling along at, you know, number four in the country. And, and so it's a, it, it, that was a wake up call. Baylor's excellent. No, no shame in losing to Baylor. Right. OU starting to look like an NCAA tournament team. So that might not be so bad either, but, and tech will make the tournament because Chris Beard took tech to the final four. So it's not the end of the world, but let's see this team snap back. Now that they're together, let's get that hunger and eye of the tiger back uh, because they're going to Oklahoma state. Uh, next and that was a heck of a game in fact oak state is uh they're 11 and four texas yeah. is 11 and four yeah uh texas is five and three in the league and oak state's four and four in the league so this is this is a really big game for texas to to try and maintain their position as an elite team this year so um you know adversity is here and your young players, Greg Brown, Kai Jones, this is when they tend to hit the wall because mm-hmm. you're going through the league for, you're going to start going through the league for the second time. Teams have a scouting report on you, man. They defend you different. You're not getting anything easy. Let's see if you still have all that energy. This is where we're going to find out a lot about this Texas basketball team. Yeah. And I think we're going to find out if kind of the start to the season is I mean, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, but if the start to the season was just another example of a shock, a smart team starting off strong and then just tripping over their feet at every given turn after that, you know, once they get into the meat of the schedule and conference play. So that's a, you know, it's definitely um, this weekend, uh, 2 p.m. Central um, Texas takes on Oklahoma State. So that'll definitely be a must watch game for Texas fans. Well, um, and, and real quick, Shaka 
I'll give them credit. Their calling card, finally, I've said for five years, there's no identity to this program. There's nothing they hang their hat on that when you say, oh, Shaka Smart, Texas, they do this really well. Well, this year, they've defended really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that Baylor game, you had Baylor, the number one scoring offense and the number one field goal percentage offense and the number one three-point field goal percentage offense going up against the number one field goal percentage defense and then the number one three-point field goal percentage defense and checkmate Baylor. I mean, they they handled business. They played they, – they absolutely played with a ton of confidence and they – they use those dribble handoffs, get you in mismatches, and their whole team sees the mismatch and gets the guy the ball. And, yep. and they just, they're like a snake, you know, an anaconda. They just start choking you, and next thing you know, you can't breathe, and, and, it's, and it's over. So I think it's going to be, let's see if this team, with some practice and togetherness, Shaka also shortened his bench in that Baylor game. He didn't play, you know, and – You know, he didn't play Donovan Williams, who's a long, problematic perimeter defender. I thought, you know, Brock Cunningham didn't get a lot of minutes. And and so, you know, let's see if Shaka continues to play everybody and use the depth because that that breeds an excitement on within the team, within the locker room. If everybody knows they're going in and everybody's staying fresh and they're cheering for each other, I just it's going to be interesting to see because guys are going to get tired. I, I know all the great coach. Oh, you got to shorten your bench, get closer to Mark. Not if you got guys who can get it done. Right. But, yeah. If you have talent there for sure, just don't oh, rotate the way that the Texas football staff rotated this uh, past off season on offense, but <laughs> oh, all right, Chip. Well, um, John Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> get him the ball. Um, all right, Chip, well, let's take a really quick break here, but uh, you want to stick around because we have everyone's favorite. Love it or leave it. <laughs> so we have love it or leave it coming up after the break. And we're going to continue talking a little bit about what Steve Starkeesian said during his signing day press conference and uh, another look into the Texas basketball program. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I want to give a shout out to Josh Pate, um, you know, the guy who has late kick uh, with Josh Pate. I saw him tweet. This is we're recording on Wednesday. I saw him uh, tweet Wednesday 
a very small snippet of a sit-down interview that he has coming with Nick Saban. Um, it's supposed to be released, I believe, Thursday night. So you, if you're watching us on 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, probably want to you know head on over there, even if you're just a regular college football fan, especially after that video of uh, Nick Saban's you know, recruiting pitch kind of went viral recently. I imagine Josh Pate's going to bring that up to him, but... Um, you know, with that said, Chip, are you uh, ready for some love it or leave it? I am so ready. We are in February. We've just had signing day. We know spring football is going to be on March 23rd. Day before my birthday. Usually, day before your birthday. <laughs> it's usually spring practice is starting around there or a pro day, like almost every single year. So, Okay. What do you want for your birthday? <sighs> I don't know. How about an Eskimo Joe's t-shirt? <laughs> oh yeah. The one that you bought for me that you still have. So Taylor and her husband are like, Hey, get us some Eskimo Joe's t-shirts. We'll pay you. I go, you know, I go up to the Oklahoma state game for us, get them their t-shirts. That was Halloween, Taylor. I know we still don't. That's how and little human interaction we've had at Horns 24 seven. We live in the same city and we still can't even see each other. I still have the Eskimo Joe's t-shirts in my back seat of my car. I totally f- even forgot about it until you recently brought it up. I was like, oh, you're yeah. going to love them. I mean, they're yeah. like the super soft, you know, oh, those are the best. I it's love the cardboard cotton, right? The good stuff. So yeah. All right. Without further ado, enough about us. <laughs> Eskimo Joe's, uh, I'm ready for some love it or leave it. What do you got? All right, Chip. My first one for you is love it or leave it. You feel better about the direction of the program after seeing Steve Sarkeesian on the job for one month. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the president, everyone makes a big deal about the first hundred days. Um, Mm -hmm. Sarkeesian's been on the job 30 days. And I'd say, you know, people are like, ah, this uh, signing day, he didn't flip anyone. He didn't get the home. Okay. Listen, do you like his staff? Do you like his staff? Do you like Jeff Banks? Do you like Pete Kwiatkowski, Jeff Choke? Go listen to Bruce Feldman. Like Taylor told you to, (laughs) I mean, if you're a fan of the flagship podcast, you've already listened to it probably twice, three times because Feldman breaks down Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Choate and, you know, his West coast connections and talks about how, he was like, wow, he Sark got Pete Kwiatkowski to leave the Pacific Northwest to go to Texas. And I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with uh, PK. That's what we call him, PK. Yeah. So everybody get used to that. PK for the defensive coordinator. And this guy has put dudes in the league. And so um, I, I feel great about the, I'm going to love this Taylor because of the staff. I don't care what, you know, this signing day looks like. I trust that this staff and, and really look at the 22 commits he's already gotten. Yeah. Blue mm-hmm. running back. Um, Number four national running back in 2022, I believe. Right. And country, yeah. I love the fact that he got, uh, he got the commitment, um, from the wide receiver at halftime of the national championship game. Um, oh my gosh, my brain. Armani is... Winfield. Yes. Armani yeah. Winfield, who he apparently texted right before that national championship game and said, you watching this, get ready. 
And then he sees Devontae Smith catch 12 balls for 215 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. And that Armani Winfield's like, yeah, baby, sign me up. <laughs> I'm in. I am committed. And he's a 6'2", 180-pound burner from Louisville. And, and Jalen Gilbo, the, the corner from, from Port Arthur Memorial. And then, of course, Jaden Blue, who committed. So, yes, Taylor, I love this. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, your turn now. <laughs> How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I'm going to love this. And, again, it's kind of like we can sit here and talk all we want and talk up the staff when they haven't even coached a practice yet. But the thing that I really think, and it, you know, I, it may not be fair for me to compare it to the previous head coaching turn over, you know, when Tom Herman was hired at Texas, but we were immediately being bombarded with people telling us how horrible his interactions were from the, literally his first meeting with the team. And I have not been hearing anything even remotely close to negative um, coming out of, you know, some sources at Texas and, you know, people close to players and everything. I mean, this is not, this is a totally different, you know, feeling. I honestly believe. And I think that it's a refreshing one a little bit because Steve Sarkeesian's talked so much about, you know, making sure that he's authentic and genuine and he wants to build genuine relationships and, you know, people can see through that. And, that's the polar opposite of the former head coach that Texas had in place. So that just from that stance alone, I think that this is a good sign for the future of Texas. Um, you know, you never know if it's going to work out. The, what matters are, are wins and losses. You know, we can talk about all the stuff all we want. You know, Charlie Strong was a great coach, great players coach. He didn't win, you know, so it's all about what you, you know, put on the field and whatnot. But I do think that that's a huge positive sign to just from the first, you know, 30 days. I mean, shoot, we heard about that first meeting with the Texas players with Tom Herman. I heard about it the night of where it. He, where he told Malcolm Roach to sit the F up, mm -hmm. but didn't, yep. even, didn't even acknowledge who he was. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so that was the thing, like we had people telling us that literally right after it happened. So. I haven't had, we haven't been hearing anything negative. I have not personally from all of the sources I, you know, connect with that are close to Texas. So that's a big, you know, first, you know, step in the right direction, I would say. And then also as we, you touched on it too. And as we talked about earlier in the show, I think you look at the staff that he has assembled and there's a lot of reason to think that this could work. You know, it may not be year one. And I think that Texas fans, should not have an expectation of playing for a national title, maybe not even a big 12 title in year one under Sarkeesian. Um, however, you please, know, I please Texas fans wait till yeah. at least year two. To yeah. The, like the hammer. Yes, exactly. Let's not, let's not, you know, kick him to the curb after one loss in his first year when he's breaking in, uh, you know, a new quarterback and so many and different. Taylor, they're playing the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns who went 10 and one last season and went to Iowa state and beat the Cyclones. Yeah. They open with that Louisiana team. And then they go to Arkansas, which beat the pants off Mississippi state should have gotten credit for beating Auburn. You know, I mean, that's an interest. Those are, I don't want to say it, but those games are kind of reminiscent of Maryland oh, gosh. in the Herman era. Yeah. And we know 
the quickest way to lose your popularity with your own fan base is to lose games you're supposed to win. Right. Well, Sark has got a couple of little minefields he's got to navigate in weeks one and two, and then he gets rice. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And rice too. is a problem now. <laughs> rice has got that Stanford coach who's, you know, building this five tight end off. Anyway, I'm kidding. Not really. I mean, rice could be. Anyway, let's just hope that uh, Sark can handle that September. Okay, kids, stop talking about the Big 12 title. Let's see if he can beat Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and like a lot of if you look back at like Arkansas's games, a lot of the losses that they had were so close. I mean, you know, it wasn't there were some blowouts, obviously, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, Alabama destroyed them. But even, you know, they were kind of a on the verge type of program um, in 2020 for the 2020 season. So if that continues, you know, that's definitely not. It's in Fayetteville. Yeah. Yeah. We're, Arkansas has always cared more about beating Texas than Texas has cared about beating Arkansas. That goes back to the sixties mm-hmm. when, you know, Daryl Royal and Frank Broyles were the coaches, but crazy things happen. Yeah. Fayetteville. So look, Texas fans just hope that Texas can win games one and two. Yes. And then we'll worry about the big 12. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, Chip, my next topic for you is love it or leave it. Your biggest position concern is on offense. No, no. My biggest position concern is going to be over there on defense and kind of touching on the positions we've already talked about just from a depth standpoint, Um, inside linebacker, corner, you know, even safety. I mean, you lose Chris Brown and, And Caden Stearns, you've got B.J. Foster. And then you got, I mean, J.D. Coffey, he's an early enrollee. He's going to be challenging. Tyler Owens is getting a second chance there. Montrell Estelle, it appears, is staying at receiver. He's listed at X receiver behind, you know, Troy O'Meary and um, Avante Woodard. And so, you know, Montrell Estelle, who had a lot of reps at safety over there at receiver. So they must feel good about, um, you know, where they're going and, and look, they've got young talent and we'll see how, how well it blossoms. But I would say those are my, my biggest, and who's going to replace Joseph Osai. Right. You know, who's, who's your war daddy that the offense has to game plan for, I love Alfred Collins. I think he's all big 12 this year. I mean, what he did in the Alamo bowl. I mean, that backbend interception, this guy's a monster and he's just now figuring it out. I can't wait for Bo Davis to get his hands on, on this guy. So, um, but you asked me what my concerns were. Yeah. My concerns are depth at corner depth at inside linebacker and who replaces Joseph Osai. How about you, Taylor? Where's your, your, do you love the fact that uh, your your biggest position concern is on offense? Yeah, I definitely I, I love this one because and I know you're going to disagree with me, um, but I think anytime that you're breaking in a new quarterback, you have to be concerned 
you know, just about how that transition is going to um, how well it's going to go over. I mean, you're looking at Casey Thompson. He has had what this is his third uh quarterback coach in three seasons. So even though he has been on campus for a while, he does have game experience. He, you know, played lights out in that Alamo bowl win over Colorado. This is a new system. This is a new set of coaching of coaches, you know, and, and when he's kind of a guy that's trying to find that leadership voice uh, for the offense, that's another concern a little bit because Sam Ellinger was the alpha leader of the team. And that's for the entire locker room. You know, his voice was heard from the moment that that U.S. I remember, I think it was a USC game. Um, or, yeah, when they went to Memorial. When yeah. They went to Coliseum. Yeah. And like, I mean, just I remember there was some videos after that, you know, it was maybe one or two games that he had played in. And Tim Beck at the time was just talking him up so big in the locker room. That's a true freshman. I mean, that that's the type of leadership and kind of hold of a, over the team and locker room that Sam Ellinger had. Those are shoes that are so massive to fill. And, you know, it's not, it's probably not um, really fair to expect that type of leadership from Casey Thompson, if that's not his style of leader, you know, you can fake it all you want, but people see through that, you know? So um, I do think that quarterback would be my biggest position concern and I'm not trying to knock on any of the talent. It's just kind of right, right. the situation surrounding it um, by, you know, everything I just mentioned. So, yeah. Cause you can say that like Mac Jones at Alabama, he came in with Tua Tungavailoa. Tua was everything. Tua comes in off the bench, throws the touchdown pass to Devonte Smith to beat Georgia for the national championship. They're, couple of frisky freshmen and and mac jones is sitting over there studying 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 three years gets his chance and kills it right and casey thompson's been three years but he's not well and i'll i mean saban ended up changing offensive coordinators because lane kiffin then but um still the good news is Casey has already had the Tim back transition and, you know, had to then work with your and now it's going to be Sark. And the good news is, you know, I was thinking about this, Taylor mm -hmm. Lincoln Riley's had this advantage in recruiting because he's always saying, who's your offensive coordinator going to be when he's recruiting quarterbacks. Right. And he would say to, you know, you don't know if that guy's going to be there. What if he moves up and moves on? What if the head coach gets fired? Mm -hmm. I'm going to be your offensive coordinator. Well, now Sark has that same argument. So that's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, for I'm, sure. I'm totally rambling and we're way over, over <laughs> time, but um, it was interesting to hear Sark say in terms of how he will recruit quarterbacks going forward. He said, we will narrow it down pretty tight to, you know, he said, I'm not going to recruit a bunch of quarterbacks at once. We'll, we'll narrow it down to a couple guys and really zero in on them. So, you know, obviously the, the focus now shifts to 22 when you've got Quinn Ewers, who was committed to Texas, now committed to Ohio State. You got Cade Klubnick, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be fun to see how Sark approaches that quarterback recruitment. 
For sure. No doubt about it. All right, Chip, uh, another one here for you. Love it or leave it. The best news of the week for Texas is that Stan Drayton is staying after getting interest from the Philadelphia Eagles. I think so. Yes, I will love this because look, Stan Drayton, man, he's kind of the silent assassin. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't have all the personality, but he really connects with recruits. I mean, look at Bijan Robinson as your primary example, but he also took Roshan Johnson from the quarterback position and turned him into a beast. Now, yeah. Roshan's got that inside of him, but I mean, he became a productive running back immediately. And, and now he's RB two in an offense. That's going to, he's going to play a lot. And so, right. uh, and then Jaden blue, we just talked about that, that recruitment and, and so Stan Drayton, excellent recruiter. I think the players really trust him, what he says to him. You know, Herman was a bad cop head coach, and a lot of his assistants fell in line with that. Stan didn't. Right. And I think the players appreciated that because he was a guy they could go to and, and talk and feel like they weren't getting, you know, some kind of edge attitude from the coach. Right. You know, so, yeah, I agree. I'm going to love it. I think that, um, it was a huge, you know, I, I guess save would be the best way to say it, that Steve Sarkeesian ended up being able to hold on to Stan Drayton after Tom Herman was fired. You know, he is, as you mentioned, I mean, he's not only an amazing developer of talent, but his relationship building both on the recruiting trail and with his players, I mean, you know, they, the guys trust him, as you said, because I am sorry, but Roshan Johnson probably does not move openly to running back unless he trusted his coach in Stan Drayton to say, listen, this is going to be a positive thing for you. And we're going to make sure that you see the field and all of that, because Roshan wanted once, you know, I don't know if he still does, but I know he wanted to really, really be a quarterback and be in that quarterback rooms. So the fact alone that that transition transition has gone so smoothly and just like, I think exceeded everybody's expectations that's on Drayton. And so I think that, you know, he was one of the, I think everyone kind of gave a lot of attention to the new hires that came um, as part of Steve Sarkeesian staff, but Stan Drayton being retained is honestly one of the biggest, I would say one of the top three, at least in my opinion um, for, you know, this new staff. So I'm going to well, remember the Cowboys wanted him as the running running backs coach last year right? because he coached Ezekiel Elliott at Ohio state and the Rams also approached Stan Drayton and he stayed at Texas. Now, little known fact about Stan Drayton. He's got uh, two kids in Houston um, who are really talented gymnasts in a really talented gymnastics program in Houston. So, I don't know how I, I think that's a definitely a of a, a check mark in in Texas's favor, you know, as long as he's got young kids in the state, he might be more inclined to stay. So we'll see. But yes, that was big news. Yeah, for sure. All right, my final one. We're gonna shift our focus to basketball here. Love it or leave it. It's time to start panicking over the recent Texas Hoops performances. Okay, I'm going to leave this, even though 
They've lost three of four all at home. We mentioned that they're against NCAA tournament teams that they lost to Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Baylor. But, Taylor, I'll tell you what, ask me this question again next week. Yeah. You know, depending on how this Texas-Oklahoma State game in Stillwater goes, this was a great game between Greg Brown and Cade Cunningham, the two super talented freshmen who could go in the top four of the NBA draft, both of them. And so it should be a great game to watch. But Texas is one loss away from being middle of the pack in the in the Big 12. And this felt like it was going to be a different year. And listen, it all all that matters is are you playing well in March? Right. Are you hot? Because Texas has the wins to get into the NCAA tournament. They just got to get their mojo back and get hot. Heck, we saw them fumble, bumble, stumble last year. Looked like Shaco's getting fired. Then he won five games out of six. And Shock of the cat. Shock <laughs> of the cat. And was about to play Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament. And all of a sudden, the ah, COVID-19. We're done. Right. And Shaka is like, okay, I guess I'm staying. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting, Taylor. I mean, he's only got one year left on his contract after, after, well, no, 22. All right. Yeah. 20, 20, the 22-23 season. So you're at a point where are you going to extend him or not? Right. We'll yeah, see. That's a good point. But yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. But what do you say? I'm going to. I'm going to leave it just because I want to give this team and Shaka Smart the benefit of the doubt. Now, those may be my famous last words because it's hard not to think, oh, here we go again, you know, another Texas basketball program that starts stumbling over itself and can't get out of, out of its own way. Um, but I think that this is a better team than what Shaka Smart has ever had, honestly, probably since he um, was hired at head coach at Texas. And so you know, I, I think it'll probably help and be beneficial if the team can actually, you know, practice and be around each other and everything before games and not have, you know, weeks at a time where they don't play a game or anything that'll help. That'll only help Texas, but that's also kind of out of their hands. So at this point, I think I think that we've seen enough progress so far um, prior to the recent stretch, I'd say that this team probably deserves the benefit of the doubt, but I agree with you. I almost kind of want to be like, let's, let's see what we talk about next week, you know, um, just because of how things have turned very quickly under uh, the smart era at Texas. So yeah, I think uh, TBD, but I'm not panicking just yet. All right. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. We, we gave you bonus coverage on uh, today's flagship podcast. Cause well, we're just having so much fun with you. We didn't want you to go back to whatever you were doing. So um, listen, make sure you check out that Bruce Feldman interview from Monday's podcast and get over to horns 24 seven. Heck get over to iTunes. Give us a, give us a five-star rating and some, some kind words and we'll repay you by making you a star on the flagship podcast. So until next time, for Taylor Estes, the managing editor at Horns 24-7, I am Chip Brown. Stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.